Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. super lively. Some weeks we're asleep. Well, it is great to see everybody. Thank you so much for being here this morning. We're going to jump right back in to the book of James this morning. Last week, we really got started in the text of James, and James really hit us pretty hard right off the bat, didn't he? As we said, James was going to be tough, and James came out swinging last week, reminding us that not only will we face trials in life, but we're to have joy in spite of those trials and in spite of those difficulties, understanding that those things that we go through are producing something good either in us or for us or for God's glory or for somebody else. There's something good coming out of that. The passage last week ended with a a reminder, a a promise. God promised a reward out of His goodness for those who would endure. And what we realized through all of that, such a good reminder, and we've sung about it this morning, that our God is good. Our God is faithful. Our God is loving. Our God has never failed. He will never, ever fail. He doesn't make mistakes. And so because of that, we can trust God with, with His plans. We can trust His will, His purposes, in our lives. So in James chapter 1, we're going to be in verses 13 through 18 this morning. James builds on those truths from last week. And going along with the idea of facing trials, James hits us with another hard truth this morning about facing temptations. Let's jump right into the text in verse 13. James says, No one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God. Since God is not tempted by evil, and He Himself doesn't tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when he's drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. By His own choice, He gave us birth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of firstfruits of His creatures. Now, dealing with temptation, I'll just be honest with you. I'm not typically tempted. Let me add to that. That started out kind of, I get tempted like everybody else gets tempted. But I'm not usually tempted by sweet things. You know what I'm talking about? Some people really struggle with that. Tom Patterson struggles with sweet stuff. He's told me that. I'm not typically tempted by those things, except for one thing, and that's cookies. I absolutely love cookies. Now, a couple weeks ago, Caitlin had been shopping, and she brought in this box of what I think is the perfect cookie. I'm not talking about Chips Ahoy or Oreos or those things that's made in a factory. I'm talking like somebody made these in a bakery, put them in a plastic container, and they were like fresh, delicious, soft chocolate chip cookies right out of the bakery, okay? Now those cookies tempted me for most of a day. 
until they were gone. <laughs> and as bad as, as I want to, I, you know, I wanted to say, when Caitlin came home and saw that all the cookies were gone, I wanted to say, you know, the, the devil made me do it. Or, or God has, 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 you know, God has put this before me to, to test me, to test my self-control. Or, or, or really, I tried to do this. I tried to say, it's really your fault for buying them and, and bringing them home, right? I said, you can't do that. Don't do that. You can't do that to me. Yeah, somebody, somebody's with me on this. But the sad fact is, there's no excuse. I just love chocolate chip cookies. That, that's really what it boils down to. And, and I, once I started eating them, I could not stop eating. Now, I will say this. There's a little three-year-old mini-me girl that, that just is bad. She did help eat a few of them. But I, I, I could not resist that temptation. How many knows how that feels when you, can't, you just simply can't resist? Now, maybe yours is worse than cookies, but you just cannot resist. We're going to be talking about this this morning because James really hits us pretty hard because our natural tendency... Right? When we fall into this temptation is to do what? Who do we blame? Anybody except the man or the woman in the mirror, right? We try to blame God. We try to blame the devil. We try to blame somebody else. But James very clearly says, no, it's not God that does the tempting. Now, this takes us back to a theme from last week that James is reiterating about God's goodness and his faithfulness and trustworthiness. And the first thing I want us to understand very clearly this morning is I can trust God. Let's break down what James is saying. First of all, he says, no one going through a trial. Like we said last week, everybody's going to go through a trial. You've probably been through some trials this week. It's a natural part of life. Now, trials will spring up, like we said last week, because life happens. Sometimes it's a natural thing. Sometimes they'll spring up because we mess up and we bring them on ourselves. And, and now we're just paying the consequences for doing something or saying something that really wasn't that smart. But in both of those cases, our natural tendency is to try and shift the blame onto someone else, right? We're going to get very real this morning. Actually, we're going to get very real for the next few months, few weeks as we go through James. So when things happen, natural disasters. How many times have you heard on the news some, a person being blamed for a natural disaster? A person being blamed for a hurricane that hits the United States. Sickness and pandemics, the loss of a loved one, accidents, the list goes on and on. And when these things happen, who do we typically blame first? God, in a lot of cases, right? We say, God, if you're really in control, why didn't you do something about this? God, if you're really capable, if you're really in control, why did you not heal my loved one? God, why did you not stop that car from pulling out and causing this accident? Why, Lord? And it's one of the most difficult things for many people to grasp. And really, it's one of the most difficult apologetics to, to answer the question of why a good God would allow bad things to happen to seemingly good people. Now, we'll dig more into that tonight. So come back out at six o'clock and we'll discuss that. But for now, understand, it is natural for us to want to question God in this way. And now, when we mess things up and we bring it on ourselves, guess what? We still try to blame other people, don't we? One of the funniest scenes, I think, in the Bible, it's really not funny, but it's kind of comical. Let's go all the way back in the beginning. When Adam and Eve have given in to the temptation, and Adam has eaten the forbidden fruit, the pineapple, I really think it was a pineapple. I don't know why, but I think that's what it was. It was a pineapple. That's not scriptural. I'm just, that's what I think. 
But he, he eats this thing, right? And God confronts Adam, and God is, is doing what a, a father has to do. He's confronting the wrong in his children, and he's getting ready to discipline them. And he asks Adam a simple question. Adam, what is this that you have done? And how does Adam respond? Does he say, I messed up, God? No, he says, first of all, it was the woman. So he tries to blame me, but he doesn't stop there, does he? He said, it was the woman that you gave me. And so in the same breath, God, Adam implicates both Eve and God in his own sin. And so God kind of plays along with this for a minute. He turns to Eve, says, Eve, what is this you've done? And what does Eve say? The devil made me do it. Now, how many can relate to that? So here's what James is doing. James is setting up his main argument by exonerating God from any wrongdoing in this matter. So he's reminding us of the holiness, of the goodness, of the justness, the righteousness of God. And he says, first of all, God is not tempted by evil, nor does God tempt anyone. Now, it's interesting language that James uses. Let's, let's dig into this just a little bit. James is literally talking about temptation the way that we normally think of temptation. James uses the exact same language here that's used in Matthew chapter 4 when the Bible says Jesus was led out into the wilderness by the Spirit to be tempted by the devil. In the same passage, the devil is called, again, using that same language, the tempter. So hang on to that. So James begins with a very clear reminder, God is not the tempter. There's another tempter, and it's not God. God is not tempting you. Matter of fact, God is so holy and so perfect, He is not even moved or tempted or swayed by evil or anything else going on, nor will He tempt you or test you in this way. Now, once again, no matter what you're going through, no matter what trial or even temptation, understand very plainly, you can trust God the Father. Now, James teaches not only can you trust God, but I can resist temptation. I didn't have to eat all those cookies. I could have resisted that, I, I think, with maybe the Lord's help. But James says people are tempted. Notice the, the, the language he uses. When they're drawn away and enticed, not by the devil, not by something that God is testing them with. What does he say? By their own Evil desires. Folks, that hurts my feelings. Because I want to blame somebody else. I really want to blame the devil. And the language that James uses here, when he says people are drawn away and enticed, it's very colorful. To be drawn away means that someone is actually physically grabbed and dragged away against their own will. And he, he's, he's saying that, that this desire, this whatever it is that's inside of you, it has the potential to grab hold of you so tightly and drag you down a path that maybe you never intended to go down. Maybe you can relate to that. Maybe you, you thought you were going to do something that was fairly innocent. Maybe you thought this would be a one-time thing and it led you down a very dark and painful road that you never intended to go down. How many have heard the old saying it's been said about sin that sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and make you pay more than you want to pay. It's so true. Now, the, the other phrase, to be enticed, I like this. It's actually a fishing term. James uses a, a fishing term to describe uh, uh, something that, that lures someone in 
with a bait. They're baited in, they're enticed, and then it grabs hold of them and they're, they're, they're dragged away. And that's what James is saying, that these desires that come not from the devil, but, but from somewhere deep inside of our own mind or even our own dark heart. James says they, they lure us in and once we're hooked, they drag us off to places that we don't want to go. And, and when this desire goes unchecked, James he, he kind of uses another illustration. He says it's like a birthing process. He says it conceives and it gives birth to sin. And then ironically, the, the sin which is birth, it grows up and it gives birth to death. James says, brothers and sisters, don't be deceived. The true temptation isn't something that's thrust up on you. The true temptation is something that's coming out of you. That's, again, a tough pill to swallow, isn't it? It actually is your fault and your responsibility for sinning against God. Regardless of what Eve said or Adam said, or regardless of how many times we've said it or heard it and heard others say it, the old excuse that the devil made me do it, it just ain't going to cut it. So here's what James gives us. James tells us that we can resist the temptation. Why? Why? Because the source of that temptation, it's our own thoughts, our own desires, our own lusts, our own problems. And if we squash them quickly, if we'll turn them over to God quickly and we'll, we'll repent from that before they have the opportunity to advance and to grow up and, and drag us away, then James would say you through that can resist this Temptation Again, God's not the tempter, so we can trust Him. The temptation usually comes from within us, so we can resist it. Now, notice the final thing that James teaches us. Very similar to the first, but he goes a little deeper. James says that we can expect good things from God. It's almost like James flips the script here. Now, we've been talking about trials. We've been talking about temptations We've discussed how bad things are, are bound to happen. It's simply part of life, the, the life that we live in. But James now reminds us that every good thing, all the good stuff, not the trials, not the temptations, nothing to entice you to sin against God, only the good comes down from God the Father. When James says every good and perfect gift comes from above, he doesn't just have the material in mind. Some people would like to, they might want to take this verse and make it a life verse to get a new car or a new house or something really nice like that. That's not what James is talking about here. He's saying everything that God gives you, everything that comes from God, you may not even necessarily like it, but if it's coming from God, it's good. And we put the emphasis on the things, right? Every, every good thing. But James is saying, no, every good thing. That's coming from God. And he's saying, again, that God, we know it's a good thing because God is a good God, right? He's a trustworthy God. And how do we know that? James paints a picture very clearly for us. How do we know that God is good and that God is faithful and that we can trust God? James says, one, because He's chosen... He wasn't obligated, but he has chosen to give us birth, as James says, through the word of truth so we could be first fruits, so we could be his portion. In other words, I'm preaching in the back. Isn't that cool? In other words, what James is teaching us is you can rest assured, just like we sang about this morning, that God is good. 
if for no other reason, because God gave us His only begotten Son to die on the cross for our sake, to take away our sin, He's provided redemption for us. He's provided salvation for us, freedom for us. He's provided the opportunity for eternal life that we don't have to to earn. We certainly don't deserve it, but He gives it to us anyway. And because all of that, you can rest assured that God our Father is a good, good Father and a good God. He's not tempted by evil. He's not tarnished by sin in any way. God is not moved by the whims of the world like we are. He's perfectly holy, perfectly just, perfectly righteous. And here's the other thing. He is completely loving. I've been working this week, as many of you know, with our National Guard soldiers, uh, working between them and uh, one of our hospitals in our area. And I was sitting on a conference call the other day, this, earlier this week, and it was a conference call with other healthcare facilities in our region. And I'm not trying to, to scare anybody, but, but the COVID situation in our area, it's, it's pretty dire, folks. And we were sitting there listening uh, to facility after facility just talk about what was going on, the things that they were seeing, the things that they were concerned about, the things that they were having to deal with. And as I sat there just, just hearing this grim situation, I mean, just surrounded by sickness and death, all of a sudden, on the hospital PA, I hear, da-da-da, da-da-da, do-do-do-do-do-do. And I just stopped for a minute. And I thought, man, in the middle of all this chaos, God is still doing something good. In the middle of sickness, in a pandemic, in the middle of death, God is still creating new life. He's still in control. He's still on His throne. And He is still a good God. And even though we may face trials, and even though we may wrestle with temptations, with everything from cookies to terrible sins, listen, we can expect nothing but good from God our Father. This morning, I simply want us, church, to trust Him just a little bit more. Maybe you're in a position in life or maybe you've been through some things in life and, and let's just be honest this morning. Maybe your trust and your faith has been shaken over the recent years. Maybe it's just taken a hit and that's totally understandable. But I want you to know this morning, first and foremost, that God loves you. And He still has a plan for you. And and in spite of anything that you've seen or dealt with or gone through or are going through, you can trust Him. You can trust Him with your life. You can trust His will and His plan for you. You can trust Him with whatever hurt or baggage that you're trying to carry around. Even if there's a temptation this morning that you're struggling with and you're wrestling with, guess what? You can even trust that to the Lord to take care of it. Would you stand together? Let's pray this morning. Father, I just, I just want to thank you this morning for the sweet reminder that James gives us of your goodness. God, if we're going to be honest this morning, we'll say that life gets pretty hard sometimes. God, there's some of us that, if we're honest, struggle to get out of the bed some days. We battle our hurts. We battle depression. 
We battle darkness. We even battle temptation from, as James says, these things inside of us that that we just don't know how to deal with. But this morning, Lord, we're so thankful that we have a God that does. That you know how to handle every problem that we could ever lay at your feet. That you're not shocked. That you're not ashamed when we come to you, our Father, with whatever problem it is that we're dealing with. God, I thank you for your love for us. As James teaches us, Lord, we know how good you are because you love us enough to send Jesus. And Lord, this morning, if there's someone here that does not know him, God, I pray they take care of that matter this morning. God, I thank you that regardless of what our nation, our community, even this crazy world is going through, that you are still sovereign you're still in control, that you are unshaken and unmoved by all the stuff that's going on around us. And God, I pray that we could rest and just have some peace knowing that you're still on your throne this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning as we sing a song of invitation, if there's something you need to lay down that you need to trust over to the Lord, something you've been wrestling with, if you just want to come and pray, why don't you come as we sing this morning? If there's a decision you need to make, maybe it's baptism, maybe it's to be saved, why don't you come this morning as we sing? Thanks for listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville, or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.